All right. Uh, soccer group chat episode two, November 24th, 2020. May this year end. Recording in three, two, one. Welcome to another edition of Soccer Group Chat, a podcast about soccer. I'm your host, Nick. With me today is just Adrian. We're alone today. Everyone else is either busy or ditched us. Uh, Adrian, how's it going? Good. We're the, the lone super soccer friends today. Yeah, not sure what everyone else is doing. We thought yeah. we might have uh, uh, the other BD today, but uh, maybe Friday. Maybe no promises, Friday but a, maybe Friday. A match reaction. I was also thinking, you know, when you were saying the date off the top presumably for editing purposes we can make our own like calendar based on like this is like 20 year like 18 apf like after premier league foundation or something <laughs> it's very anglo-centric our own, but our own football calendar yeah football calendar we are tuesday there's champions league games today and tomorrow which i didn't realize this year is crazy this football calendar is unlike any other Seems to be games all the time. And then there's two weeks with nothing. It makes it kind of makes no sense. Um, it was a big weekend in football. Did you did you get a chance to watch many of the games? Uh, I watched, regrettably, Newcastle, my team, get uh, deservedly beaten 2-0. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was dire. Um, and then I watched like the highlight show just to get a Nice. Uh, oh, and I watched, watched Liverpool Leicester. Nice. That was yeah. a good one. Liverpool yeah. dismantled Leicester. All of Nick Gill's fears from the previous week went unfounded because they yeah. tore them apart. Well, I was skeptical when he said, like, we're still the team to beat. I was sort of like, yeah, but the injuries, like, I don't think I said anything, but I was thinking, ah, the injuries, like, missing basically the first team. I don't know how deep Liverpool is in some ways like we know that they're not particularly deep in center back but they looked so much better thinking about it like you know again compare it to chelsea versus newcastle newcastle looked like complete trash they were so that they were bad and leicester didn't look bad they just looked like ordinary that's the word i've seen described and i feel like that just shows how good liverpool is it's they're incredible they're so good to watch and they just, you know, beat another good team who we were talking about as title challengers casually. Yeah. Like yeah. they take, they, they don't break stride. It's, yeah. It's clockwork. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And they didn't even have Salah or Van Dyke. Yeah. And like, don't miss I a mean, beat. Like, it's unbelievable. Yeah. How do you, how do you take Jota like out of the team at this point? Yeah. Uh, they have a conundrum, but I mean, it's a happy conundrum, right? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's what that's what the big teams do. And but I mean, also like it's kind of was an out of left field signing. And I mean, Wolves are a good team, but you look at you know Jota on Wolves, and he doesn't really stick out to you as a star. As you know, as some he doesn't really stick out to you as someone who could step into a team like Liverpool and have this much of an impact right away. Yeah, but then but he hear, he like, gets there and he looks like he's a world beater. And he's scoring scoring for fun. And it's amazing. It's amazing to see. Yeah. And he's like, 
I mean, like when he's in the team, you could see a hundred percent how he's like in the same mold as like Mane and Salah. Like he's yeah. that kind of average height for yeah. Premier League yeah. kind of forward. Like he's not big, but he gets headers. He gets in position like for crosses in the box. Yeah, like he just fits so well. And apparently they were looking at him for years. Like right. they were scouting him for a long time before they signed him. So, I mean, I guess he must have. And and that's kind of Klopp's. That seems to be what Klopp is really good at. Like they don't really bring in stars per se. No, they just bring in like effective operators and, and push turn them into the stars. Level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they just their work rate is incredible, and it's just they're so fun to watch. Yeah, and I can't really. wait to watch it get against Atalanta later. Oh um, yeah, should be a good one. Another fun team to watch. And a really fun team to follow, especially since the Spurs documentary. Uh, this was uh, this past uh, Saturday was the Amazon Prime Derby, uh, Spurs <laughs> City, <laughs> one of the most anticipated games of the weekend, at least for me. Uh, since watching the Amazon doc, I've been really following Spurs. I'm a Palace fan, but I just find found everything about Spurs to be pretty infectious. And yeah, I, mean, I kind of resent that doc for making me I know, I know. like Spurs a little bit. I'm like, yeah. no, no. I don't want to care about Eric Lamella. Yeah, and Lo Celso. And, yeah. and, but I mean, Kane and Son and Mourinho. I, you know, I, I don't know. Like, we've talked about this before, but I mean, whether Mourinho was putting that on for the cameras or not, if that's how he is, you know, as a person, seems like a great dude. And, I don't know. Uh, I, he's doing a bang-up job at Spurs. They're top of the table after I'm less beating City Two. About him being like a great dude. <laughs> I don't know. He says things sometimes where you're like, like who was it? Uh, Aurier, where he's just like, I'm worried you could fuck this up, man. Oh, yeah. I'm worried you okay. could make a dumb mistake. I I don't know. Maybe that works. Maybe I'm just not cut up. Like I mean, obviously I'm not professional, but like I don't think I'm competitive enough. Quite like I'm not right. like someone tells me I'm shit, like it doesn't motivate me. It makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> so like, like maybe it works for them. But to me, I was yeah. like, yo, why, why are you being mean to Surge? Like, yeah, what did he do? What did, what did Aurier ever do? But yeah, like sometimes he's very charismatic, very charming. Yeah. So do you think Spurs, I feel like they're a pretty unheralded team. Like I would even kind of say that in the lead up to the season, a lot of people maybe had them tabbed for top four, top six, for sure. But I mean, title favorites at this point, I'm not sure many people would have said that. Do you, like, have you seen things of people calling them title favorites? Would you call them title Well, favorites? I mean, right now they're top, of the, they're top of the table right now and their squad is is as deep as any, I would argue. Yeah, I mean... They have, they have you know, maybe other than, other than Liverpool, maybe they have the best attacking, you know, group in the entire in the entire league. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where they're most convincing is like, yeah. Like Kane and son are phenomenal. So good. And they work so well together. That unit would pretty much walk into any team except for maybe Liverpool. Exactly. Um, And it's such a different style than Liverpool too, which I love. Yeah. Cause you have the front and you have the, the, you know, the triad of, of, you know, Salah, Mane, Jota from, you know, whoever with their speed and technical ability. And then, and then Kane, who just, like we, as we discussed last time, is just every time I watch him, it's so amazing because he's, he's, you know, clinical and he also is everywhere creating. Yeah. And just, he has the freedom to kind of move back 
and kind of dictate more of the pace of attack. And then Son making these runs inside. Again, not an analyst, but it's 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 pretty it's just interesting to watch and kind of exciting to watch also. Yeah, definitely. And maybe maybe that's where Mourinho would would get the credit is is you know, presumably behind the scenes he's been helping Kane really define this new role. Like I think he yeah. saw it a lot during the World Cup with England. Like mm-hmm. he was dropping very deep against like Colombia and stuff. Probably because the team, you know, was kind of useless at times. <laughs> but yeah, now that he has someone who's so effective, like running behind him, um, it, it's deadly. Uh, it's really working like extremely well. And it wasn't just any team they beat to get to the top of the table this week. It was Man City, who granted yeah. are in 13th place right now, kind of floundering a little bit, but... But you can blame that on other factors, but it's Man City. That's Man City. And they have Laporte and uh, Diaz or Diaz. I don't know how it's pronounced, yeah. but right. So they have their two, their two top choice center backs. Yeah. Uh, which was a big concern, like about last season, this Laporte being out the whole year. I think yeah. if you said that Laporte would be fit, you'd have them winning games as, exactly. as opposed to like last year. So, yeah. So yeah, that's a, bit of a statement win even if even if man city is languishing at the man moment city. and reno does have a good record in his career i guess against guardiola so mm. it's difficult it takes with a grain of salt but back to Mourinho, we talked so much kind of in recent years about you know him at chelsea him at man u uh kind of wilting under these pressures of you know these massive clubs right he's seen out this pattern where he'd go in and have one great season uh, win a trophy or two and then maybe the next year his antics and his personality maybe like lot would lose the room as they say and maybe players started tuning him out but with spurs it seems to be going swimmingly so far and it's it's been a year now if i recall correctly he was hired last october november mm. so we're kind of getting to that point where maybe they'll start to tune him out but the way that it's going i think personally he's the perfect manager for a club like spurs so i was wondering Kind of what you thought about that. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. His like pattern seems to have been like first year he either wins something or he's building to win something. Yeah. Second year he wins something. Third year, maybe he's maybe gone. things go to hell. Yeah, yeah. Or he leaves. Like yeah. um, but yeah, you, you mentioned that before, like it just talking his friends, like as opposed to now to our, you know future award-winning podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, yeah, I can see how he's a good fit because, you know, they have a few world-class players like Kane and Son that he is maybe getting the most out of and then and then other players that he can sort of amplify and get working as a unit becoming yeah. more than the sum of their parts. And, yeah, just picking them up and... and lending that sort of winner's edge to them. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't see who would be better to take over. Yeah. And I think, I think too, Spurs is a big club, but the pressure I feel like is way less than with a team, you know, like Chelsea or United where it's basically Premier League or bust or Champions League or bust. And they're constantly doing these things that don't make sense. I feel like he actually has a good rapport with, you know, Daniel Levy when it comes to, you know, spending money and bringing in players that can actually help. Like that Hoiberg signing from Southampton, he's really, you know, solidified that midfield and then Lo Celso scored on the weekend. 
Yeah, so Hoiberg's been it's, and Regulon too. Is it and Bale? You know, Bale's in there. He's contributing. Yeah, yeah. It's so they had a really good transfer window, and who knows? Yeah, this could be their year to win something. Yeah, I, I don't know. Obviously, like how 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 the hell would I know? But it seems. I think there'd be some there's there is some pressure on him to win because yeah. you know there there was sort of a golden era of Spurs the Spurs team and and they didn't win anything things passed them by they got to yeah. a couple of, like finals but couldn't couldn't win and you know Mourinho comes with this aura of like he's a winner exactly um even if he loses the dressing room on the third year he wins something in the first two yeah and this would be the first team he didn't win anything with. So I think there's an expectation probably from Spurs fans that like, he's got to do something soon. And, and Mourinho, I'm sure is like, he's like, boys, you have to win me something. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And the, and then again, the Amazon doctors made him feel like a manager that I know you said that, he may be someone that you maybe wouldn't want to play for because he maybe makes guys feel like shit. Yeah. But they seem like they want to play for him. And when he's doing things like, you know, buying his players ham for, you know, completing objectives as it were. So basically the story was that he had a conversation with Regulon and he said that if Regulon doesn't let Riyad Mahrez dribble past him once all game, then he'll buy him a ham and, Regulon proceeded to not let Mares dribble past him once during the whole game. So Mourinho just bought him a, a 500 pound currency pound well, the, uh, Spanish ham and then served it in the, in the locker room. And stuff like that is just amazing. It's great. If I can, if I can add some detail because you sent me the article yeah. and I, I read it like right before we came on, <laughs> he won four one-on-one duels with Mares didn't let him pass in yeah. four different occasions and it was a 650 pound oh 650 weight ham yeah it was a it was a pricey right. ham yeah that is some expensive ham and uh i mean all more power to regulon because that's riyad Mahrez we're talking about that's not just anybody mr burns i think he's dead who oh dear send a ham to his widow mm, ham. no wait he's alive oh good cancel the ham Another thing from this weekend, I don't know if you watched, last two episodes that we've done, one of which wasn't necessarily affiliated with this podcast, but we can affiliate it if we want, uh, where we talked about VAR. And I don't know if you saw what happened in the Manchester United game, (laughs) but Bruno Fernandes, of all people, who again, seems to come up in every conversation we have, because it seems like every week with this guy. So I don't know if you saw what happened, but basically... If I'm remembering correctly, he he took someone down. I forget who they played off the top of my head. West I can't Brom. remember. West so Brom. He, he, he took yeah, down yeah. Gallagher. He took, yeah, he took Gallagher down in the box. West Brom gave him a penalty. VAR takes it away. And of course, it was Fernandez who committed the foul. Mm-hmm. And then later in the match, Fernandez gets taken down. Penalty awarded. No, it was a, a handball. Handball. Penalty awarded. He's he gets stopped. Yeah, he got stopped. But then the stupid thing, right? The keeper was off the line, so he gets another panel and he scores. Yeah. It's horrible. But it's even (laughs) more than that because it's like it's even worse because in the first incident, uh Gallagher has the ball. 
Fernandez swings his leg, he hits his shin, and that's why yeah. the penalty was called. Yeah. But then on on VAR, I guess he reevaluated it when he when the ref went to the monitor and said, no, he got enough of the ball that it's not yeah. a foul. I, Which, I don't know. To me, it looked like a clear foul. Yeah, to me, it, it was like... Like I can buy that he got contact thing, yeah. but I can't buy that it's a clear enough error that that a, he um, he would have overturned it. Like exactly, me, if if the the person in the box, like wherever the VAR is, uh, the guy at the computer, the monitor, if he's telling that ref, I think you should review this. Mm-hmm. I think in a way he's just backdoor making a backdoor decision. It like, is. It is. It is. I think he's just making the call. But where I think it gets like the plot thickens, why I said it's worse than that is because yeah. before that handball at the other end, Gallagher is is running. He is, uh, it looks to me, fouled. It looks right. like, you know, Fred kind of goes to the back, into the back of him as he's shielding the ball. It looks like he hooks, around, hooks, hooks him around a little bit. It's not a, it's not a bad foul. It's not malicious or violent or anything. But it looks like he knocks him off balance and he catches his leg, so he, he falls. Then there's a 50-50. Uh, West Brom player almost gets possession. He doesn't. He loses it again. It bounces out of that 50-50. is picked up by a Man United player, and then the handball happens. Yeah. So, again, I was watching the review show, and the referee commenting on it said, it looks like they decided – there was a new phase of play. So that 50-50 situation after the foul, the potential foul, um, I did air quotes there, (laughs) the foul. The the 50-50 constitutes a new phase of play, which means they can't review the incident where Gallagher might've been fouled. So to me, that was like, okay, yeah, I think that handball was a handball, should have been a penalty. But that was not a new phase of play. That 50-50, no. I think you should have been able to look past it and and see that Fred fouled Gallagher again. So man, poor Slavin um, Village. Yeah. <laughs> and it yeah, and I, I I agree with everything you said there. And I just can't believe that it happened again. It seems every single Man United game. So they get some sort of gift. And that was kind of <laughs> It was something that Nick brought up in our last episode. He has this kind of over under weekly Man United penalty tracker thing. And <laughs> it's just, I don't know. There's something fishy. There's something fishy that sounds, seems going on. Yeah. Not, not that I'm, you know, conspiracy theorizing or anything, but it's, it's every week. Big club bias, man. Big club bias. Uh, but if I can put something to you, because yes. I feel like, you know, everything I just said is more or less, you know, similar to the review show. It's, <laughs> you know, that's where I picked up the points uh, from DAZN, you know. Um, but something I saw, there was a, Ian Wright said something I think is interesting mm-hmm. and maybe a point we could talk about that's a little different. He said he thinks Bruno Fernandez and I guess any player should not be allowed to jump. I agree. Oh, so you're, you're full on. I agree. I to, yeah, sorry. If I can just like go through the, the rest of the justification for it, he said, because 
the keeper can't move off his line. Uh, the the player gets two chances, so he can't jump because that makes it harder for the keeper. So wh- what do you think on this? That, that is 100% exactly what I was going to say. It's not fair because that jump is so discombobulating. And how do you not flinch? You know, like it's, I mean, you know, more power to those guys, you know, Fernandez and Jorginho does it too. It is a good fake and it's really effective. But if you know in the back of your mind that if the keeper jumps, you're going to get a second chance. It's basically giving even more power to the penalty taker already. Because then, the you know, the keeper knows that if he jumps, they're going to get a second chance and the player knows this. But it only benefits the the player in that regard because they know that you know if they get stopped, or they miss or whatever, it is a ninety nine percent chance that the keeper jumped off the line, which means they're going to give them a second chance to take the kick. So it's kind of it's kind of just an other, and I understand you know the 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 take any advantage you can get and give an inch take a mile, but there has to be a point where, you know, the keeper's already at such a massive disadvantage on a penalty kick, and you know, giving the the penalty taker even more power is just kind of seems silly to me. So to, to, to follow up on that then, why does that power need to be equalized? Like, why is the jump different, I guess? Why is it not something that's just an effective strategy? Why is it something yeah. that should be unacceptable? I think I think it's an effective strategy if you're not going to, you know, if you're if the key, if you're not going to be so, you know, picky about every single motion that the keeper or the penalty taker does, I think that, I think that if they were still allowed to jump off the line, or if there was some lenience with that or some nuance, because you know, as a keeper, and not saying that I have any professional experience as keeper, which I don't, I have a ton of you know pickup experience playing keeper. Mostly because I can't run. <laughs> uh, but if someone's doing that jump, like it looks, and when you watch it, it looks so fluid. I know it's such a strange thing to see, but it looks like he's, you know, it looks kind of like he's gathering momentum to shoot. And as a keeper, you're, you know, bracing yourself to make the save. And before this year or last year, whenever they instituted this rule, you were kind of taught like, okay, you could take a step forward and then dive or, but now all of a sudden you're not allowed to do that. And you're, you have to unlearn all this muscle memory. And then you have this guy doing this incredibly strange, awkward jump thing, knowing that there's that VAR safety net. If the, you know, if the kicker misses it or if the keeper makes a save, you know, it just kind of seems like a redo or a mulligan. And for me, it's kind of takes out some competitive integrity the likelihood yeah. of a penalty save is already so diminished when there's normal penalties. And now you're, and now you're, you're taking the likelihood away. And I understand, like we talked about before, you know, maybe they're subconsciously trying to increase scoring, you know, drive interest, drive engagement. And they clearly like the controversy because it gives us stuff to talk about and people who actually know what they're talking about stuff to talk about. But, <laughs> you know, it's just a bit, it's a bit, and this kind of year has been so weird with sports and competitive integrity. And I just feel like we're kind of getting away from what makes sports sports, which is 
you know, people, I guess, not having an equal chance, but, you know, you want to be fair and you want to be inequitable. And it just seems like these attacking players are getting so much more kind of leniency. Well, that kind of, I mean, this is the thing. I, I have a follow-up question that's, that's yeah. based on that point. I, I guess, like, maybe as a, a comment just to sort of, like, throw in where I agree with you on that is yeah. something with the jumping feels intuitively, like, wrong, but I have yeah. trouble saying why besides, like, I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's kind of similar with, like, stutter steps where something about this is kind of doesn't feel right yeah um but but as far as i understand it the rule is that you have to have forward momentum and i guess you can like vary the the quality of that momentum yeah but it feels like you know there's a larger room to exploit exactly keeper might have but then again maybe you could say it's the same thing as the keeper has just moving along the line and going like this and tim cool being like you know, like a pest, Doing dance like in the World Cup, dancing and running <laughs> up to people beforehand. It's true. Stuff like that. But maybe to put a pin on that for now, and we can argue about it as a special topic for an hour. What do you think? I have an opinion about this. Yeah. What do you think about the idea of changing the rules or consciously designing a game so as to advantage forwards? Like, like let's make this rule change because yeah. it will result in more goals. Yeah. So that happened That happened in hockey recently, and it really benefited the game. It happened in football also, and it really benefited the game. And I understand it. People like offense. People like scoring. People like goals. People like celebrations. People don't really like defense. You know, People don't like cagey tactical battles. People don't like that. But So I, I agree with it, and I see the reasoning behind it. I just personally, again, like what you said, like you can't think of a reason why you don't like it or that you you can't think of something wrong with it other than that you don't like it. I just find that, you know, in football, penalties are so, you know, there's just too many of them. And VAR, again, going back to VAR, it's just kind of, it's increasing, you know, the amount and... I feel like it's a, it's a special kind of circumstance where goals from open play are so much more exhilarating and exciting and penalties are just so... And, and now every single one kind of shrouded in this layer of controversy. And, you know, there's ones that get two opportunities to take it. There's guys jumping and there's like this and that. It's just a bit... It's I feel like it's kind of getting a bit out of hand. And, you know, in terms of consciously... I feel like the game is already so beneficial for attackers, right? I feel like, you know, I feel like fouls are so clear cut. If you do anything egregious, hopefully you get, you know, yellow card and then you get sent off. And there's, and there's so much money in it now. And there's so many good attacking players and there's so many, you know, the systems are so fluid. I don't, that I don't really see the need to give guys second chances to take penalty kicks that they, jumped and then messed up (laughs) yeah yeah i I agree and and i think my sort of thing about making these rules to benefit attackers and and this idea of we need to get more goals in the game 
something about that seems too focused on the sort of product yeah. rather than like the sport itself. Um, again, like when we were talking with Luke on a different idea, um, different podcast idea, the sort of rules we contrasted with like the Arsene Wenger pr proposed rules about let's have kick-ins, let's do X, Y, Z, like let's make it so, let's change the offside rule. And we contrasted that with the rule change of, of picking up, uh, not being allowed to pick up pass backs from your own team anymore as a goalkeeper. But I think the difference is like that stopped like, like basically like an exploit. Like, like yeah. that was basically like the dumb thing you do in a video game that yeah. like bothers every, like your yeah. friends, right? Yeah. Like that was like, you know, you pass back 70 yards to your own keeper. Like that was like negative play. Yeah. I think you can have like, you can park the bus and it's, to me, it's mm. not negative in the same way, especially no. because there's so much money in it. Like, yeah, you know, Guardiola, when, whenever, back when Newcastle had Rafa, uh, you know, Benitez would always set up super defensively against City. Yeah, like, sure. Like 10 men behind the ball. But he'd look for that one, two, three chances that Newcastle had to attack. And Guardioli would always, <laughs> he'd always criticize that. And it's, it's just ridiculous to me. It's like, we, we don't have, yeah, you know, 50 million to spend on a left back. Like there's just, there's differences, right? And exactly. I, now, sorry. Now I'm on a rant. I'm kind of off topic, that's okay. but that's the other thing, right? Is, is, you know, there's organization and preparation and tactics which amplify the skill and the ability of of players who aren't particularly fast particularly strong particularly talented um and if you start to loosen the rules a bit or or benefit the attackers then you're already you're benefiting the sort of best players exactly um, which again like yeah like you got to let them operate but i don't know i think Anyway, sorry, I've been way too long-winded here. But I think I'm for changes that might help the fluidity of the game. Yeah. But not changes that are deliberately designed to increase goals and change the, the product in that way. I, I feel like that's just, I don't know. Again, like I don't have a particularly objective-sounding argument for it, but and I just think it cheapens things or or is too focused on the result and, and – and maybe makes the game too malleable. Like it's got to, it, there's got to be something concrete to start with. Exactly. And I agree with you about the increasing the fluidity. I think that's always a work in progress. And that's always something that, you know, fans and players and coaches, everyone would appreciate. Back to the original point, which was the Fernandez penalty kick and the jumping and, and, you know, the keeper jumping off the line and, and giving him a second chance and all this crap that happens that's you know to me that's not that's not what i'm what i want to watch yeah it's funny and yeah it's interesting and it's controversial and you know it's fun to make fun of conlin about it and all the other conlin manchester united a, fans out there hopefully conlin conlin will jump on at some guest. point <laughs> uh -huh, um, so but at the same time it's just it's just as an impartial viewer it's just kind of like what's going on here it's just wild. 
and it, it yeah. just kind of goes against it kind of goes against all that it goes against the fluidity it makes it you know fragments it chops it up it gets rid of the momentum it takes the focus off the the game on the field because it just trumps everything like i don't even really remember anything else that happened in the game i have this burned image in my mind of fernandez you know hop skipping and jumping his way to two penalty kicks you know and of course he's going to score the second one right so i mean it's just where's the and, and we know that it's the premier league right so it's always going to favor the big clubs whether it's you know game in game out or just generic generally and i'm not saying that that wouldn't have happened on the other side you know that could have easily happened to West Brom. Like De Gea could have jumped off his line too. But I just think the jumping and the—it's just—it's wild. It's wild. It's wild to me. It's insane. And it's—it's it's like dominates the conversation of uh, professional and amateur common podcasts. Exactly. We talk about this every time. We talk about this every time. I don't know what we would talk about if stuff like that didn't happen. Well, but let's I don't want to see it happen anymore because it's it's just it's it's just I don't know it's just definitely like, imagine. But let's let's talk about something else. Let's change the conversation. <laughs> yes, yes. Speaking of penalty shootouts, I think we should end this podcast with a little bit of MLS talk. Not that you know we're big MLS guys, but there was an amazing, incredible, ridiculous moment that happened in MLS this past week uh, between. New York City and Orlando. And I don't know if you saw the video. But Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Let's try our best to describe this. So like we, we'll break down the incident and yeah. then I I have one thing in particular I want to say because I feel like it's something I connected to personally and right. connects to my personal experience. Um but yeah, so the situation was um Penalty shootout, I think. I'm just pulling it up so I could. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So I could watch while you speak. So I forget. I think Orlando was leading New York. Yeah. And then the keeper made a save, but he had come off his line. So that had to be retaken. But for but he got a yellow card for that? Was that yeah. off his line or descent or something? And it was a second yellow. So he got sent off. It was also a brilliant, like, uh, brilliant like commentator because it's like one of those like i don't know if like american but like i don't know they're they're latin american in some way but like this guy had that voice where it's like he's yelling but like yeah. in a way that's like doesn't blow out the mic he's like and he has saved it like it's just like <laughs> a really intense he was just absolutely appalled by the shenanigans that we were witnessing. And it kind yeah. of made, it kind of made the previous conversation moot because it was way worse than what happened in the Manchester United game. This is a, this is a knockout final, a knockout yeah. playoff game in MLS. So and, the, the keeper is sent off. Yeah. So the keeper makes a save. He comes off the line. So the keeper makes a save and Orlando's celebrating like they won. And then the coach is runs into the tunnel, fist pumping. But then they go to VAR, and the refs are looking at it, and everyone's confused. Which is, you know, you can't celebrate a goal anymore. You can't celebrate a win. You can't celebrate anything. Everyone's just on the field looking confused. And then, you know, the ref's standing there with his, you know, hand on his ear, talking to someone somewhere, and and then 
Yeah, and then he he shows yellow and red, sending the keeper off. And <laughs> the killer of this is that I guess Orlando had no subs left, so they had to put they had to put their left back in net. <laughs> But it's worse than that because they they brought on a new keeper. <laughs> they got set up, and the ref was like, whoa, whoa, wait, get, I'm gonna get. stop you there." Yeah, <laughs> you can't be here. So then the so the left back was getting ready to go in. Then they were like, "No, don't worry about it." They brought on a new, their second mm-hmm. string keeper. Then he had to go, and the guy had to get the left yeah. back to get ready again. I had to get the gloves on, and it was and shots this, of players just. Standing there, just looking confused. The guy, the penalty taker, not 100% sure what his name is, you know, is standing there just, what are we doing? What's going on? He's been waiting nine minutes to take this kick. But Nick, this is also where where I thought we could, you know, share this because you, as you mentioned earlier, you're a keeper. You play a net. Yeah. Um, so you know how it feels to be there. And as someone who, you know, we don't always have a keeper when we play pickup and every now and again, I like to go in. I really identify with this left back because he seems to understand goalkeeping. The stance you take at the beginning is to take the lowest squat possible. (laughs) And I was like, my God, this looks so silly. But I was also like, I know in my heart I have done this. Yeah. I have gone into goal and put on the gloves. I've not known what to do with my hands or with my body. Yeah. And I have squat as low as, as I can. As low go. as you can. Try to get this would help me somehow. <laughs> and I mean, you know, he, he obviously, of course, let the first penalty in. It's kind of a perfect shot in a low corner. Nothing you can do about that. But then the kicker of this whole story, the kicker of this whole story is that on the final shot of the game. The NYCFC player steps up to the spot, goes to take the shot. And what does he do? He takes one of the worst penalties I've ever seen. No pace on the ball. Such a weird height that was perfectly at chest level. And I guess, you know, maybe with this left back going in net, the shooter doesn't have a book on the keeper, doesn't know what he's going to do, no scouting. But basically the keeper, all he had to do was kind of step to his left. He made the save which send Orlando into the next round, giving them their first playoff win in franchise history in their first ever playoff game. But <laughs> there was a mini VAR check after because it looked like he stepped off the line. I was like, come on. This is where I'm like, man, incredible story. But again, you have that like layer of VAR. That's like, just, just, you know, get on out of here. But it was really incredible. Yeah, it was unbelievable scenes so strange we got regulon earning hams from Mourinho. we got incredible playoff shootouts in mls we've got fernandez hopping skipping and jumping his way to two penalties in a row and a win for manchester united anything else you think we should go over or uh or you know i think that's the weekend kind of in full what do you think yeah that's more or less what I'm ready to talk about anyway. Some great crosses this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> just a just a stupid <laughs> last departing thing like Robertson's cross. So good. Ziak had a few good yeah. ones. Real peaches. We didn't even get into Palace, but that's okay. We don't have well, to. Well, that was an exciting game in the end. It was a good it? game. They really yeah. miss Aha, which you could say about every game that he doesn't play in. Every time he doesn't get the ball. Yeah. Keep an eye on for uh, Eberechi Eze. 
guy's basically the second coming of wealth but anyways to put a bow on this we will be back friday where hopefully we'll uh, get richard on the call speaking of palace they're playing newcastle next week and uh we're gonna we're gonna watch the game we'll hopefully take some notes maybe we'll forget but uh we'll react to it almost live and um yeah you can have our thoughts on uh, on the game next on friday thanks super soccer friends <laughs> all right have a good night everybody night Prepare the celebration ham. All we have left are the earthquake ham and the condolence ham. Marge, they're just hams, okay?